Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everybody, from wherever you're joining us around the world. I am your host, Sophonias Nguse, and this is the final interact. With me today is an esteemed panelist who I'll use in a bit. But just to get us going, I'd like to encourage everybody to use the hashtag Constructive Conference from wherever you're joining us, right? On Twitter, on Facebook, the different places that you're live streaming. One, to join us in this conversation, but to add your thoughts. So send all the questions you have, send any comments you have, and our discussion managers will weave that into the conversation so that it's not just me and Dickens, but it's everyone that becomes a part of this conversation. Great. So to kick us off, the idea behind all these series of conversations has been that we need to find a way to be constructive in our journalism, right? Journalism has always been an important part of how the media, of how the population is informed. And the last few months has definitely been a test for how information spreads and how accurately we can receive that. So in that spirit, today's station focuses in specifically on the continent of Africa, where both Dickens and I are from. And the idea today is to cover how can we do journalism in Africa constructively? How can we cover these stories more responsibly with a more nuanced view of what's actually happening? Um, and I couldn't think of a better panelist to do this with. So with us today, we have Dickens Olewe, a Kenyan journalist who is currently working in the Africa Death BBC. He has experience both with local media on the continent and with international media. And as a member of the continent himself, has experienced seeing how our stories have been portrayed and the different solutions that might be in place for that. Cool. So as I mentioned, this is meant to wrap up a long series of conversations. Feel free to check all of those out at the Constructive Institute's website, but also hashtag Constructive Conference in all the different places you're watching from and send us all of your questions. Great. So to get us started, I'd like to just hear a little bit from our panelists to introduce himself, what gets him excited about this, and then I'll walk us through the flow of today's conversation. Dickens? Good morning again, and good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. Um, thank you. Um, so I'm, as you, thank you for the introduction. Uh, I'm a journalist, I'm Kenyan, and I uh, work for the BBC, I'm, ba I'm based in London. And I'm um, a former JSK uh, fellow uh, at Stanford University. And, you know, I'm really excited about our conversation today, you know, talking about how to best cover uh, Africa. Great. Cool. So when we think about how to best cover Africa, that's definitely not an easy question at all. First of all, we're talking about a continent with 54 countries, different histories, so to try and frame our conversation, we've broken this up into three big pieces. Hmm. The one is this idea that there have been some stubborn stereotypes about how the continent is covered. So we'll dive into that, what these might be, where they might have come from, and what consequences do they have, right? So framing that helps us move into then, what is it that these stereotypes are missing? the truth that needs to be conveyed. So there's, there's a truth to the continent that we're missing. So we'll try and develop some of that nuance. Um, we'll then go on to say, with this truth in mind, what is the responsibility of the media? 
in terms of covering this truth and bringing it forth. The last, and I think the most practical part, is then to say, what are the solutions to this, right? Mm -hmm. How do we then go on and cover Africa constructively? As I said, (laughs) these are definitely not easy questions. These are ongoing conversations. And so we'll try our best to add nuance to this conversation, but we'll also love to hear from all of you, wherever you're listening in from, to add your questions and comments to enrich the conversation. So I think the best place to start then is with this idea of stereotypes. Mm -hmm. So the continent has an interesting and a complicated history. We've seen throughout this history and currently, there are some stubborn stereotypes that seem to persist in the way that um, the continent is covered. Interestingly, both globally and within our local media as well. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to see from your experience, what are some of these stereotypes that you've noticed? I think what comes out quite clearly uh, is this perception that, um, uh, you know, telling the so-called Africa story is easy, uh, that anyone can do it. Uh, You don't absolutely need... uh, uh, you know, any uh, time of kind of preparation, uh, appreciate uh, kind of the context which you are going to do to the the reporting. And that has really persisted, especially, um, you know, from the uh, uh, kind of like in the the international uh, media. Things have changed, but uh, as you say, there are some uh, stereotypes that have just become extremely uh, stubborn. Uh, locally as well, I mean, I worked for a, for a local newspaper. Uh, you could also see the fact that, uh, you know, it was, especially when it comes to poor areas, that uh, it was kind of like, uh, you know, a preconceived idea of what kind of stories you're going to get. You know, you know that, okay, we are short of stories. Can we get, for example, a crime story? And you know exactly where you need to, uh, you know, the, the kind of like the areas where you need to go and the people you need to call. Um, and then the other thing as well is that just in terms of stereotype, um, you know, we you know, we always talk about, um, uh, you know, poverty in Africa. You're talking about, uh, you know, famine uh, in Africa. There's always a talk about corruption. So, these elements essentially kind of like, you know, they're kind of like the pillars uh, when it comes to the uh, to telling the African story. So that you find that when somebody is actually telling a story which has absolutely, uh, you know, uh, does have, has absolutely no link to those uh, pillars, you will find that there is a w- they still bring them in the story. Hmm. That's very interesting. Um I want to touch on a little bit of the the fact that it's considered an easy story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these other parts tie into that, but where do you think the root of that perception might have come from? I think one one of the things that we absolutely have to um, um, appreciate, not, not really appreciate, but accept because it's fact, is that there is a history of uh, racism uh, for centuries uh, where... Uh, you know, people from Africa, black people, have been painted by this broad brush uh, that, you know, they, they are obviously, you know, passive. They uh, don't have a history. Um, and 
and and and therefore it's just so easy to kind of tell stories about black people so that's where it comes from um and you can see that uh, pretty much seeping into uh into newsrooms i mean like i said things are changing uh and they have changed massively you know uh, in terms of language uh in terms of diversity uh in newsrooms and uh, now you have for example uh in international media or global media if you like you have uh people with lived experiences uh you know on the continent people like myself and the contribution of people like myself in newsrooms you know it's 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 incredible because you can actually see how you are shaping those conversations uh, uh internally hmm. <clears throat> i think the 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 second piece that you mentioned also ties into this well there is the idea of this dark continent right there's mm-hmm. also these big themes you've mentioned of poverty of corruption but it, i don't think it takes a lot of digging to realize these are not things that are inherent to the continent right mm-hmm. there's poverty and corruption across the world why does it seem that these things are an inherent part or a natural part of the story when we talk about the continent i mean w- one of the thing that i i think we can uh we can definitely say it's there is there's some malice uh, at times uh where uh you know you find that there is w- whether it's kind of deliberate or it's just uh kind of again we're talking about stubborn stubborn in such a way that you dare not even think beyond those pillars that we're talking about yeah so so that it's just so easy for for you to kind of think about the continent uh in 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 those kind of uh framing you know it's either poverty it's either famine it's it, uh, it's corruption but then the other thing as well uh which is kind of interesting is that i mean right now you have western countries who were selling surveillance uh technology to uh, african governments which is undermining democracy uh, on the continent uh yet you will find that it's so easy to say you know uh, to, you know to obviously talk about dictatorship to talk about regression of de- democracy but not really appreciating you know this kind of uh, the role that uh western countries for example would be playing and that's that's also that also um uh, Uh, includes things like corruption uh, some of these leaders who were stealing money from the continent uh, they are actually you know they are, they have second homes and third homes and sixth homes um uh, uh you know in in europe and, and in western world and those links are usually not brought up uh when you kind of telling the story i mean the thing is one of the thing that uh, i think uh, this conversation uh, what is why we are having this compos- conversation is because uh the african story uh there's nothing necessarily distinct about it i think the issue has been can we tell a complex story because it is a complex story and uh just like um it is for for, for other parts of the world so 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 that uh you know that's actually the kind of the the call that uh, that people uh, on the continent have been asking for that's very true because from the the sense i'm getting from all of your comments so far has been that all of these come from the idea that our story is an easy story to tell mm. it's it's like the scapegoat for problems that are not unique to ours but it, 
people will accept that. And I think there's an interesting piece there where you mentioned the distinction between the global stereotypes or say that it originated from outside the continent, but mm-hmm. how we're adopting it internally. Could you speak a little bit more on that? Because I find that interesting that the, the, the different stereotypes have an interesting way they play out when they're local, right? Within our, our, our people, within the different countries. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because um, you, you would expect that there'll be pretty much sometimes almost like a pushback. And sometimes there, there is some, some pushback. But I think if you work in, uh, uh, in local newsrooms, you, you essentially see some of these things that people complain about, uh, uh, you know, kind of like the global media actually happening uh, in the local media as well. And the element that I think we also don't talk about, I mean, there's racism that you can talk about in, in relation to uh, probably the, glo- uh, the global media uh, in, in its way uh, it covers Africa. But also, but I think when you're talking about um, the, lo- the local context, you're talking about class, uh, in my view, uh, because uh, most journalists uh, or rather the people, not just, not most journalists actually, but the people who make decisions, the editors uh, are part of the middle class, right? And the the opinion shapers, they're the agenda setters. uh, And therefore you will find that this troubling language, uh, this troubling framing uh, of, which is kind of like putting down communities and, just casually reporting about a community with stereotypes, uh, you know, they end up in local newspapers because of, uh, of of class, and I think that's that's really really troubling, and it's something that definitely needs, uh, you know, you know, uh, great attention and and uh, and hopefully be addressed. That is uh, honestly that is something that fascinates me, because. I think it, it looks like depending on who the stakeholders are, it's the biggest difference that comes out as a stereotype. So mm. from the global uh, the global to Africa, it seems like race is sort of the biggest distinction. Mm-hmm. And then within the continent, the, the economic inequality sort of plays out in how journalism happens. Exactly. Uh, those are very interesting. So if I tie this thread, there's there's a lot of stubborn stereotypes. There's this idea of Africa as the easy continent to report on. Um, and there's a historical piece to this and how it developed, but mm-hmm. it seems to be playing out locally in its own ways as well. Something that I don't think is appreciated enough is that these things do have serious consequences, right? What, could you please outline some of the consequences you might have experienced or you think are important to highlight when it comes to our stories being told this way? You know, uh, um, I, I read a book, uh, um, a, f- a friend published a, a book, um, which, which I read um, uh, a few weeks back, uh, Traveling While Black, mm-hmm. uh, Nanjala Nyambola. Uh, it's, it's a fantastic book. Um, and she talks about in the book how this phrase, uh, you know, go go back where you came from. You know, most people, most Africans, um, well, or rather most minorities, uh, wherever you are, have uh, heard that, okay? But especially uh, in Africa, uh, you know, Africans have heard that a lot. 
And what she says in the book, which I found quite uh, striking, is that there is this concept that Africans should not leave Africa. They should be confined uh, uh, in Africa, okay? So that, and you know, it's very, it's a very loaded, it's a very loaded uh, um, uh, phrase actually, uh, and it is based, it, it is based on how the world views uh, Africans, yeah, and the the daily way in which I mean, every single day, the, the media, uh, you know, decides what it is, what it it wants to broadcast about uh, uh, Africa, and. Unfortunately, if going back to the pillars that we're talking about, if the if the narrative is still about you know a continent in despair, a continent that is hopeless, then exactly that's actually why you know everyone else, everyone in the world would be like you know uh, what what are you doing here? Go back where you came from. Uh, it, you know there are opportunities sometimes that you might be. Not so over because uh, people just don't think that you're complicated, complicated or intelligent enough uh, because of, of of these stereotypes. So there are some real life uh, uh, consequences, which uh, unfortunately it, uh, it doesn't give a complete complete picture uh, of the continent. Uh, and unfortunately, on a daily basis, there are people because of what the media tells about the continent, they think of, you know people just think ah uh, you know that. That he's this guy's from Africa, you know. Let let's just, yeah. you know, you, you know. There's nothing interesting or or uh, fascinating about him and stuff. That's, I think that's something that whoever is watching and is from the continent can probably relate to so much, right? The idea that it's not just the place itself, but it's now the people who have been simplified, mm. and that that plays itself out, whether it's in professional opportunities, whether it's in travel. Um, the, the interesting bit as well is that you seem to have touched on the end. This side might be a self-fulfilling prophecy at some point <clears throat> where we've established these things, we're seeing the effects it have on people. But then basically if someone was to dare cover outside of this scope, there wouldn't even be that much acceptance for that kind of stories, would there? Um, I, I think, I think, you know, one thing that is, that is really, uh, beautiful about this moment, especially in terms of the so-called digital disruption is that the avenues through which, uh, journalism can be, uh, put out, you know, the kind of storytelling, the kind of narrative that you can bake in a story can be put out, you know, you just don't have like a limited uh, number of uh, media organizations that can publish a story. I mean, you can set up, a, uh, you know, your own uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facebook mm. um, account, and you can, do, you can do acts of journalism through there. So those, unfortunately, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, they don't have the influence and reach that you'd expect, but this, it is something. Uh, you know, people are gathering in these spaces to try and uh, challenge these uh, stubborn pillars that we've been talking about. So there is there is something uh, happening, and and that in itself, uh, it's something that definitely 
uh, people should appreciate. But then maybe I should take this opportunity as well to just talk about, um, you know, voices. Uh, so you have a situation where right now, uh, especially now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, um, where sometimes journalists just don't travel as much, that it's been uh, kind of like tempting to summarize um, like kind of like uh, people's opinion or the public's view based on what's trending. Yeah, so that's, that's just, need to just throw that question there. That tells you something, but it doesn't tell you everything. It actually tells you most of the time, the voices of a vocal minority, right? So those are elements that you need to be, uh, you, you need to be uh, really, you know, um, aware of so that when you are definitely keen on telling the African story or, uh, you know, bringing African voices in a story, uh, just be aware of that you might end up speaking to a, privi a privileged few who might give you uh, kind of like an, uh, a reality that does not, does, does not reflect uh, the majority. Mm. I think for the audience and for me, we're, we're really starting to realize that this is not a simple issue and the complexity comes from a lot of different angles. Um, the point you raise, for example, that even within media and journalism, the rise of digital and how distributed all the different platforms are changes who is able to tell the stories and who's able to receive the stories as well. Um, but it's interesting that even when there are stories seemingly trending or popular stories, whole picture. Um, and I think that transitions us nicely into this idea of we have these stereotypes, we sort of touch on how they came about, how they progress. <clears throat> and now we're trying to see is what is it that they miss, right? What is the truth in this perspective? So to take you to Twitter, for example, there's often on social media this thing of, the Africa, they don't show you on the news, yeah. right? And then they'll show you, like you said, this fancy mansion or sort of the, what I would say Western models of development, right? And a lot of people will push back and say, but look, the Africa that they do show you on the news, there is some truth to that. Um, and that speaks to the idea that some stereotypes at least are grounded in some truths. So how do we balance this tension that there is a truth that has not been covered, mm -hmm. the truth in some of the stereotypes, but even all those together, that's not the full picture. Um, what do you think of when you start thinking of the full picture of the continent and to make it easier, maybe even just Kenya, because I always feel uncomfortable talking about 54 countries collectively. <laughs> as if there's a way to summarize them. You know, there's this, um, you know, concept of, uh, you know, Africa rising and uh, the economist a while back calling the, uh, the continent hopeless. Um, and I had a friend uh, one time say quite rightly, and I absolutely uh, believe she's right in this, in saying that we should probably focus on what she was suggesting as Africa being which is covering Africa as is, all right? So that you are not going there with a preconceived uh, feel-good 
perception uh, to try and tell a story because you feel a little bit guilty about what has happened uh, in the past. Um, I think one thing that we definitely need to insist on is that this, the African story, like any other story, is complex. And it should always be approached uh, uh, as such, yeah? So it's true, you know, we have uh, all these amazing skyscrapers, uh, you know, shooting up across the continent, wonderful bridges and, and roads and everything else. But it's also true that majority of uh, Africans are in a, on a daily basis sinking into uh, a poverty, not clean water, um, uh, unfortunately, you know, no greater access to, to, to healthcare. But I think one of the things that is important, just going back to what we, uh, our, you know, we started this conversation by me saying that there is this perception that the African story is easy, that anyone can do it. But then one thing that I probably missed in saying that is that there's also this perception that African people are just passive, that they need things to be done for them. Yeah. So that's not the case. Even in this really difficult um, uh, environment, you know, where people are really struggling for food, uh, you know, to get uh, healthcare, there is something happening. Uh, there are people who are working in, uh, to fix those structural collapse, you know, those visible and um, and invisible structural barriers. There are people who are constantly trying to work their way around it. Uh, it's not ideal. We should not be applauding them that they're doing that. They actually should not be doing that, essentially. But they're doing something. And I think that's what sometimes the stories miss, that when you report a story, you are not you kind of like reflecting the daily efforts uh, of ordinary people who are trying to, you know, you're doing their dandies every single day to make sure that they have a better life. And it's those efforts which are keeping people alive. It's those efforts which are keeping ki uh, kids in school. It's those efforts that are, you know, uh, making uh, sure that, uh, uh, you know, people get treatment. Uh, so, so that so that's what I'm talking about. That people should be, you know, as journalists, we should be challenged every single day to think about how do we best reflect uh, the reality that is, and not just be confined in these lazy stereotypes. In fact, that's what they are. Hi guys, very... we have um, we have four minutes left. So if there's anything you want to conclude on, maybe it's time to begin that. Got it. I really love this idea of Africa being. Um, and I think it, it gives us a very good picture of how to conclude this conversation, um, especially because when something is being, you watch it unfold, you appreciate its complexities, but you don't try and twist how it is happening, right? Is um, And I, the, the piece about Africans being passive as well is quite interesting because if you look at survival in very challenging situations, it requires quite the opposite. For the way our continent has thrived in the reality you've mentioned, in fact, you'd need a very active population. But then there's a tension of let's not encourage that because no one should be doing that for their everyday life. In the spirit of time, and I would love to take this conversation on, 
Um, with all of this in mind, what do you think are things we can start doing in terms of the solution, right? What are the responsibilities that we have as media? What are the solutions we might have as journalists and maybe specifically as journalists on the continent or whose mandate are stories of the continent? So one one of the things uh, that I like saying is, uh, which I think is kind of like a starting point for for journalists is, why do we do what we do, and what does the public think about what we do? Mm-hmm. And I think that if you think about uh, that, you will come to the conclusion that what you need to do is to listen more. Um, we and you know, for, we are so fortunate. There are so many ways we can interact with uh, um, uh, with the audiences. So, how do we best? How can we best bring their voices? Uh, uh, in 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 the newsroom, yeah. I, I like um, the, there's a project, uh, the hacking project, which kind of uh, in, in the states, and they have what they call the people people centered journalism, and people centered journalism essentially means that you start with the question, what do people want to know, and I think that is a fantastic way of trying to shape these conversations, not just local in local news, uh, you know, newsrooms uh, on the continent, but also, uh, but also globally, because at the end of the day, we want to get the best obtainable version uh, of the truth. Okay. And if that means that we are going to be accurate and fair uh, in our reporting, then we also need to kind of stretch out our antennas and allow us to learn more, listen more to uh, to the public. And also, I think this also challenges us as journalists. How do we measure journalism? How do we measure our impact? Mm-hmm.